0: Father's Day, and here's what I'm going to do this morning. Uh, I'm going to talk a little bit uh, to fathers, but this is also expanded to others. So I know if you're not a dad and you're watching, you're tuned in, you might go, oh, maybe I should tune out. Stick with us. I want to talk to fathers just for a couple of minutes and uh, directly to some things that I think is applicable to us, but not just that, but it can be expanded to others. I think it's important for all of us, and then I want you to hear a story. I sat down with... um, Sheldon Ross, who's a friend. Many of you know him here from McDowell. He's one of our volunteers, faithful, faithful volunteers. I had a conversation with him this week, and uh, we shot a short video. I want you to get a glimpse of that. I think it's so applicable uh, and meaningful to hear some of his stories in this moment. And then I want to close with my favorite story that Jesus tells uh, in the New Testament. It's in the book of Luke. And so that's where we're going over the next few minutes. So to dads, I want to talk to you just for a second. Dads, um, it's Father's Day, and if you're like me, Father's Day creates uh, a number of emotions within you. Uh, first of all, I have this emotion of being thankful for my dads, and uh, my dad, Wayne, in uh, southern Alabama right now, so thankful for, uh, for his investment and his love to me and my life. I'm just thankful for my dad, uh, Wayne, this morning. I'm also thankful for my dad, Randy. Uh, who fathered Robin, my wife, uh, but he's become like a dad to me. His wisdom, uh, his integrity just means so much to me and the relationship that we now, now have. I love you, Randy. I'm so thankful for you on this Father's Day. And um, my, my other dad, Richard, who's in uh, the, the Carolinas, and uh, Richard is a part of our family, and I love him, our boys love him and are so thankful for, for the relationship that we have and his investment and encouragement in our lives. And so uh, for you, uh, you probably have some of that as well. You probably have uh, some thankfulness in you for, for your dad. Now, I know not everyone. I know today is a tough day for some who have recently said goodbye to their, uh, to their dad. And this is the first year. And as you are flooded with memories of your dad. My prayer is that the Heavenly Father would surround you with his presence and give you um, just this peace and, and um, thankfulness for the, for the dad that you, that you had in your life. Uh, the second emotion that I have is just this love, this overwhelming love for my kids as a dad. I'm so grateful that God blessed me with three incredible boys, Connor and Calvin and Charlie, And I can't even express how much love that I have for them. And when I wake up today, I just have this pride in my children and just so grateful that God um, saw fit that I got to be a part of their lives and uh, that I get to walk and journey with them through life. So I love you boys, Connor and Calvin and Charlie. I'm so thankful for you three. And then the other emotion that hits me, and this one's the difficult one. And I think this is true for moms on Mother's Day, for dads on Father's Day. And um, I have this emotion that, um, of some regret and failure. And uh, I have moments where I'm, I'm overcome with this feeling of just inadequacy and that I've, I've messed up and that uh, it's too late, you know, as, as a dad. And I have these desires that I wish I would have done this, or I want to do this, but I don't know if I have the time. And that's a part of what goes on in, in my mind and my heart today. And here's, here's a couple of things that, I, that I, I think are important for me that I think God wants to speak into my life, but I also think are important for you, wherever you are in your journey Uh, The first one is this, that the expressed love of a father, and and by that I mean the expressed, um, both spoken but also lived, the expressed love of a father for his children will have far greater impact than any shortcomings or imperfections that he has. Now isn't that good news for us, that God's grace covers the imperfections and that when we choose to love and express that love both verbally and in the ways that we enter into relationship with our our boys and and daughters throughout life, that that express love will have so much more impact in the lives of our our children than any of the imperfections or the shortcomings that we have, and we all have them. Now, when I talk about the express love, one of those things is the way that we verbally express our love to those around us. And I think this is important in all of life, not just with children. but it's important in our marriages, it's important with our friendships. You know, for years, uh, I never expressed my love for my friends in a verbal way. I never told my friends that I love them. And now I I say it quite a bit because I know how important it is to to express that. And I think about the soundtracks of our lives. So I wanna play this game for a minute. You can can, uh, chat online. Um, What is a soundtrack, an album or a song that you listened to so many times uh, as a kid that it just, as soon as it comes on, on, on the radio, or you're playing it on your, on your phone or your, your computer, that you can repeat all the words because it's been so impressed upon your mind. Like, if Sweet Home Alabama comes on, I can sing it because I listen to it so much. That soundtrack has been implanted on my mind, and, and I can come up with lyrics to songs that I, I, I haven't listened to in years because it's been so implanted on my mind. The same thing is true when I was in high school. I listened to Led Zeppelin all the time. And so Led Zeppelin 4 was the album that I think implanted on my mind. And uh, it was something that, that if it comes on today, I can, I can come up with lyrics to obscure Led Zeppelin songs just because of how many times I listened to. What is it for you? Uh, maybe it's not classic rock, but uh, maybe it's pop. Or country, country songs uh, sometimes get in our minds and we can't get them out of our minds. Uh, some of you wish you could get the country song out of your mind that your spouse listens to, but you, it's, it's in there. It's, it's been replayed and over and over and over again. Dads and moms and teachers, all of us, um, we, I, I want to encourage us to record and repeat what we want to be replayed in the memories of our children in the future. Like record and repeat, and I don't mean physically record, and re- record in our minds and repeat again and again the things that we want our children to replay in their future. The things that we say again and again and again are the things that they will remember and lean into the rest of their lives. I think it's, it's one of the, the reasons it's important and Scripture tells us not to uh, be so controlling of our children and, and, and in some ways demeaning of our children that we take the life out of them because they replay those tapes, those recordings again and again and again into their future. Uh, Eugene Peterson, who was the pastor who paraphrased the Bible and we know it as the message, his son, just two years ago, at Eugene's, um, at his funeral, at his, his celebration of life service, uh, he, he told the, those who had gathered that his dad, every night, would sneak into his room and repeat these phrases to him as he fell asleep. He would say, God loves you. God is on your side. God is after you. Not in a negative way, but in a good way. And he is relentless. And so for his whole life, the son of Eugene Peterson, he grew up hearing from his dad, God loves you. God is on your side. God is pursuing you. And he is relentless. I mean, what a great soundtrack to play in your mind again and again. And his son, who was speaking, was was sharing how profound that became in his formation. My dad, uh, Wayne, I, I, I can't remember a time that he didn't say, I love you and I'm proud of you. I, I actually, at, at one point in my life, got kind of annoyed that he kept saying it over and over again. And uh, to this day, he continues to speak that into my life. And it's so very important, those words. My mom and my dad both I don't think uh, we ever end a conversation without them telling me and me knowing that they love me. And that's so very important. So repeat, record uh, and repeat what you want to be replayed. Now for dads, and uh, then we're going to kind of transition. For dads, I want to invite you on a journey this week with me uh, to, to lean into Scripture a little bit. And there's a number of us who are doing this. There's a reading plan on, uh, uh, on YouVersion, the Bible app, that a number of us have already engaged in. We, we began it today, so it's not too late. You can jump in today. And the link, it's, it's, uh, it's this uh, incredible little reading plan. It's seven days, I believe, that is for fathers. It's out of Radical Mentoring, which is a, a ministry that we're gonna be implementing here in the, in the fall uh, or into next year for some mentoring with men. And uh, this reading plan, here's, here's the shortened link. It's gonna be on the screen for you. But here's the shortened link, bit.ly slash so Father's Day McDowell, all lowercase. So bit.ly slash and you'll find that reading plan. You can join the reading plan. You can do it on your own if you want, but if you want to be in community with us as we're doing it, the first 150 people who jump in can be a part of that reading plan. Dads, we would love to have you uh, as a part of that little journey, that reading plan. There's another reading plan called called AHA um, by a pastor in in Louisville. That's on the screen as well. We encourage you if that's something you want to jump into. A couple great reading plans through the Bible. Now, in Ephesians, Paul reminds us of this. There is one God and Father of all. There is one God. Think about this. In today's world that is so divided and so many different things going on, uh, Paul reminds that early church who lived in a very uh, divided culture He reminded them, there is one God and Father of, he didn't say some, there is one God and Father of all who is over all and in all and living through all. So very important. Last week we talked about justice and one of the the primary challenges to justice is that we don't see God's image in one another. We set aside the image of God, which is implanted on every human being. We, we, we ignore the image of God, and sometimes we set aside or we marginalize or we, uh, we kind of keep at bay certain people or groups that we don't think uh, belong. And what Paul reminds us is there is one God and Father of all who's over all, in all, and living through all, and it's important for us to find that image of God in every person that we encounter that we would, we would see and respect and value the image of God in each person, no matter what perspective they live with. Uh, I have a friend here. He's a friend to so many of you, Sheldon Ross. And uh, Sheldon, uh, what a story, what a life he is living. Uh, I'll, I'll give you a little uh, picture of, of some of the things that he gets to do and that he's a part of right now, which is so powerful. But I first met Sheldon here at McDowell, and he, he was hanging out in the lobby, and he, he jumped onto our, our, um, our security team, and his heart is to, to keep people safe, and to make sure we as a church, especially our children and the most vulnerable, that we, that we're keeping them safe, and that we're not ignoring or missing anything, and he's so good at watching as people come into the lobby, and noticing if people look like they're alone, and he sneaks over, and you know, just encourages them, and Ask them if they need any help and helps them find their way into the church. I'm just so thankful for Sheldon. Well, Sheldon, in his vocational life, does an incredible thing. He's, he's I call it a ministry. He's a first line emergency responder who is actually sent all over the country whenever there's an emergency or a disaster. He's worked with uh, DEMA and, and FEMA to be on the front lines uh, of anything that happens. And so in our state, been on the front lines of so many different pieces, but over the last few months, he's been on the front lines of, of the COVID response uh, in terms of the government, how they're seeing it and watching it and, and, and trying to help uh, lessen the spread. Uh, he's been on the front lines of those conversations and his faith so impacts the way that he sees and interacts. And then uh, with some of the, uh, the protests and some of the, the challenges that came out of some of the protests, uh, Sheldon was once again on the front lines in, in terms of emergency response uh, and, and, and sitting down, having conversations with those who have very different perspectives of whatever it is that's going on, the circumstances that surround the emergency at hand. And Sheldon's heart is to love all people. And uh, so I, I met him in the lobby for the first time, and he's, he's a PK, he's a preacher's kid, and I'm a preacher's kid, and he oftentimes will come and, and as we have time to talk, he'll share stories about his dad with me, which I am so grateful for. His dad has an unbelievable story. And so as we were walking into this moment of Father's Day and with all that's going on, I thought, man, what a, what a great story to share. And so Sheldon and I, I'm so thankful that he would sit down and, and just have a conversation about his dad and the impact of his dad. So I want you to just to, to, to sit back and and lean into the conversation with Sheldon, with his dad, and the impact and the influence that his dad had on now what he is doing uh, in this world for the good of God's kingdom. This is Sheldon Ross.
1: Sheldon, it's good to see you. Great to have you. Thanks for uh, being a part of a conversation and uh, Father's Day weekend. And I know you and I have talked a number of times about your dad. Uh, and so we wanted to we, we wanted to just hear a little bit about your dad and kind of your growing up and some of the things that your dad did, what that means to you uh, today. And uh, so yeah, tell us like where you grew up and uh, tell us a little bit about your dad.
2: Matt, great to be here and great having a conversation with you. Thanks for asking me. My, uh, I grew up in uh, Boston, Massachusetts, which uh a section called Roxbury. And my father was a Baptist minister um, in that area. And he was a community leader and a community activist at the same time because back then it was a little difficult making ends meet as pastors and just being a pastor. So he had a group called the Association for Better Living, which uh, helped define. Um, African-Americans homes within areas and working on the quality of life all through the Roxbury, Dorchester, and Manhattan area. I mean, uh, our home church back in Boston where uh, he moved from uh, Shaw University to become a pastor, or as a youth pastor, was Twelfth uh, Baptist Church it was one of the original stops on under the Underground Railroad. Really? Uh, he was there I believe with the. Uh, Late 50s, and it was about the same time that Dr. King was going to a seminary at Boston University. And uh, so my dad was on staff with Dr. King while I was going to school. And the um, daddy King, which was um, Reverend King's, uh, Dr. King's dad, had called the senior pastor, uh, James Hester, um, and told them of uh, his son coming to Boston. I and mean, he didn't have any didn't know anybody while he was going to graduate divinity school and he wanted somebody to watch out for him. My dad was also an assistant to uh, Dr. Harold Case um, at the U. So it was a cycle that kind of got these guys connected. So Harold Case a lot of love. He was a pastor as well. A lot of love and a lot of effort into developing Dr. King as he was a student at the U. So my dad was the driver. And he were take around and uh, to get the location to Boston and they'd kind of get a chance to uh, get a, a you up know, a social background of that world also had a lot of what turned out to be been a Baptist for some time. Where was your dad from? Where did he grow up? So my dad grew up in Atlantic City New Jersey okay um, in a small actually called area called Pleasantville New Jersey and then believed that his calling needed to he really truly wanted to understand the roots of the African American church, so he needed to go to a seminary down in uh, North Carolina, mm-hmm. and he went to Shaw University in Raleigh, North Carolina. Yeah. Um, he was roommates with James Cheek, who ended up becoming president of Howard University, yeah. and uh, those guys would do crazy things on the weekend, because right in the middle of the Civil Rights Movement, and actually bored, was really going. Of pastors, those guys, and they told me this at my dad's funeral. And they said, Hey, you know, we have to go down with Haas. Hoss. hoss was his name. And they tried on the weekends and go to lunch counters in the middle of the uh, South Carolina and just sit there and pray. Hmm. And until they knew that um, they would be asked to leave, and they would then say, Yes, sir. And they walk out. But he said, we just, We're just praying for change. Huh. And what a powerful message. Yeah, There's yeah. no and an area where I was like, what are you doing here? And I said, well, we're here praying, so we, one day we'll be able to eat without you asking us why we're here. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, As you think back to your your early childhood with your dad and, and uh, maybe some of your teenage years even, what would you say are just a couple of the lessons, the life lessons, that are probably the most powerful that, that he instilled in you, that, that he uh, planted in your heart? Through, through the work of the Holy Spirit that to this day you would say "Man, my dad. I'm so thankful for this
2: Well, first and foremost um, For bringing me to Christ. Hmm. Uh, my dad baptized me and, uh, I, will and his, uh, I was 13. Okay and, uh, One of the things that my dad's vision was my dad's vision for me was that I said, hey, don't pass I'm great if you feel God's calling you But get involved into the fabric of society make those changes get involved and be about the change. And he said, you know, you have a choice. You can talk about it, but you can be yeah. about it. Yeah. So I think that whole true belief of servanthood uh, and Jesus came to serve and not to be served and we need to look at it from that aspect, we can do some great things in mean, there. I think the movement that I watched my father be part of really was a young movement. Hmm. It was um, the young Christian relationship system. Yeah, That's yeah, yeah. Right. Probably, yeah. Dr. King. All those guys, they got young people involved. Young people need to get involved, I think that's great. I think they need to get involved from a relational point of I think they, uh, it's one thing uh, to go out and protest, but make sure that in your life and the lives of the people in your friends that you get engaging in different ways honestly, lovingly,
1: caring, and understand that there, there has been suffering, right? There has been discrimination, as you said. You can't assume that everybody has had the same experience you've had. You have to listen to stories, which is one thing I appreciate so much. You're, every now and then you'll, you'll pull me aside and tell me a story about your dad, which is helpful to me just to understand more uh, about another pastor, but also another experience that I haven't had that helps me understand God's goodness and His grace more and more. And, and so some of it's just entering into relationship to hear stories and mm-hmm. to ask questions yes. and listen yes. which changes our perspective of the world and yes I yes. think uh, I think that's vital so so thankful for you uh, what you do uh, for God's kingdom which is across all spectrums of your life I'm also thankful for what you do here at McDowell to help always watch out uh, especially to keep our, our kids safe and to make sure we're, we're uh, Diligent and welcoming all people. I'm very thankful for you. Love you. So uh, glad to walk in community with you. So thanks for thanks for sharing with us today. And we'll do the COVID bump. There COVID we go. bump. There we go. <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: Man, just just a a powerful. We, we had a, a, an incredible time together. Just listening to to some stories and a few things just jump out at me. Uh, from, from listening to Sheldon, his, his dad said, you can talk about it or you can be about it. I mean, that's, that's a sermon right there. You can talk about things or you can be about them. And it's one of the, uh, as, as we continue to talk, uh, Sheldon and I, uh, it's one of the things he, he, he mentioned in moments like this, that there is a place for, for protesting and, and for speaking out. But to, to sit down at a table is a whole nother uh, level of involvement. And it's something that his dad planted in his heart, the importance of that. He told stories about how his dad, uh, from from his development and what the Spirit did in his life, that he didn't just protest in 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 Boston, but that he actually was a part of starting a mortgage company to help break down the red line districts and offer uh, mortgages to those who were being declined just because of the color of, of, of their skin. And so he was actually doing things uh, inspired by his faith and doing things that would open the door to so many who had been marginalized for so long. I'm just so thankful for Sheldon, his perspective, uh, and his relationship uh, with with us and helping us to to lead with relationship and lead with love in the world at large. You know, one of the the stories uh, that Jesus tells, my favorite story, is one that I want to close with today. And it's the story of a dad and two sons. And it has this name uh, to, to the story. It's called, it's called the Prodigal Son. If you look it up in your Bible in Luke chapter 15, it, it's got this title, the Prodigal Son. And I just think it's a terrible name to the story. Now, before you, you send me a bunch of emails, Uh, Joe at mcdowell.church is my email. Before you send me a bunch of emails and say, you can't say that you don't like the name of a story that's in the Bible, know that the names of the stories weren't actually there uh, back when they first were written, that we've added those through the years to help us. And so um, I I just don't like the, the, the name, the title, the prodigal son, because it causes us to just focus on one son in the story. And I actually think the story should be titled The Generous Father, I think that's the title of the story, and I think that's what Jesus wants us to see, and he wants us to understand about our heavenly father, which gives us a way to live as dads today, as people today, but it also reminds us of who we have as our heavenly father, the one God and father of all. So here's the story. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, "'Father, give me my share of the estate.'" So the father divided the property between the kids. Now, just hold on on just for a second and, and understand what Jesus is describing here. In an agricultural society, asking for your inheritance wasn't asking for a pile of money or a bank account or something that was in a lockbox somewhere. Asking for your inheritance means you were asking for land and property. And so by this one son coming to his father saying, I want my inheritance, go ahead and divide it now before you're dead, He was actually taking property away from the father and he sells it and then takes the resources and runs off and wastes them. He takes his father's land, his father who is still alive. He sells the land, which would be a disgrace to the father. He sells the land and runs off and he wastes it. And he has a bunch of people around him until he runs out of money and then he's all by himself and he can't find anything to do and can't find anyone around him. And Jesus tells us, when this son comes to his senses, the younger son, when he comes to his senses, he says, how many of my father's hired hands have food to spare, and here I am starving to death all alone. I'm going to set out and return to my father, and I'm going to beg him. I, he starts rehearsing this speech of, oh, I'm unworthy. Father, take me back in. He's, he's going through the mind, but he decides, I'm going to turn around, I'm going to head back, the Father, and hopefully he'll hire me on. Catch this. Jesus says, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him, and he was filled with compassion. Now, don't don't read past that too fast. That is this son who has been gone, who has wasted uh, all the resources that his father gave him. Uh, This this son who in so many ways had dishonored the father, when the son is seen coming from the distance, the father is filled with compassion because he sees the son returning. The father runs to his son. And rather than his son having to throw his arms around him and fall at his feet, he, he throws his arms around his son and he begins to kiss him. And then he throws a party. I love that. Uh, a dinner party. Like he takes the, the, the most expensive thing they've been raising and saving for a, a certain moment. He, he, they, they have a party. They kill the fatted calf and they throw a party because the son who was gone is now home. He was dead and now is found and has returned. And there is great joy in that. But there's another son. And this other son who's out in the fields working, he hasn't sold his share of the estate. He's actually working the fields. He's done everything right. He begins to come home and he hears the party and the dancing and the music and all that's going on. And as he gets closer, he realizes my brother's home and dad's throwing him a party. And look what what Jesus says, that the older brother became angry and refused to go into the party. Look at the dad, what the dad does. So his father goes out to him and pleads with him. That's the kind of father we have. We, we have a father who, no matter where we are on the spectrum, the one who wastes everything, who spends everything, uh, the, the son who has dishonored the father, we have a, a father who runs to us and embraces us as we turn around and return. And we have a father who, even when we stand on the outside looking in, disappointed at what we get or don't get, we have a father who pursues us and comes to us. And I want you to hear this today. Men and women and children, God loves you. You have a heavenly father who loves you more than you will ever know. And it doesn't matter if you've taken everything that God's blessed you with and you've wasted it. And it doesn't matter if you're standing on the outside looking in, angry at what you get or don't get in life, disappointed by the circumstances. God comes to you as well. God loves you more than you will ever imagine. I want you to know this, that God is for you. He's not against you. That you have a father who looks at you with compassion, and love. I, I want you to know that you have a God who pursues you. Like he's after you. And not after you like in this angry way of wanting to pay you back for something but as, as a parent follows a child who is just learning to walk around uh, pursuing that child because he doesn't want that child or she doesn't want that child to fall and hurt themselves. That's how God is pursuing you today. All along your journey the ins and outs of life, God is pursuing you in all of those things out of his compassion and love. And here's the other thing I want you to know, that God is relentless. God is relentless. And this morning, I just can't help but think that some of us have, have wandered away. And in some ways, we maybe have wasted what we at one point had. Maybe that's relationally for you. Maybe it's with the gifts that God has given you, the passions. Maybe you've just wasted some things in your life. I can't help but think that some of us feel like we've earned something and yet we haven't received it yet. And so we've been standing on the outside just just kind of pouting, angry, that God's grace has been so good for other people. And I want you to know that you can run to the Father this morning. And that, that Father does not fold his arms and look at you with anger or disappointment, but that Father puts his arms around you and embraces you and kisses you out of his great love. So, Father God, in this moment, there are those of us who have gathered in this digital format that seems so strange who are, are coming to our senses we're waking up to this reality that that we've wandered away maybe that we've squandered something uh, we're we're waking up to the reality that we're we're standing on the outside kind of angry about your goodness thinking we've earned something and god you 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 run to us you pursue us you even in our anger, you are there beside us. So gather, God, we in this place and gathered online, we repent, which means we simply turn around and run back to you. We pray that you would, you would surround us with your love, receive us with your grace. God, thank you for loving us even when we feel unlovable. And we pray this in the name of Jesus.
2: Amen.